Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. We are going to be talking about racism today. We're in a series about knowing God, and so today's topic is knowing God as creator. And we're going to just focus in on some of the negatives that, are, that have happened through centuries, uh, right back to the garden where sin came and God's heart was changed of how God viewed people and how God wanted people to view each other. Uh, I'm going to read the introduction today. This is not a day for Steve Long to be flippant, to just wing it. This is a day for Steve to be as uh, careful as I can to say the right words. And so just know that all of our pastors, uh, about 20 people, have had input on what I'm going to read. And later Curtis is going to come up and he's going to read two statements. They, they sort of flow together, but one is really for Toronto and one would be a larger statement that we're saying to the world about what we stand for as a church. And both of those are going to go onto our website and where it says about, that's where you're going to be able to find those things later this week. So let me read this. Friends, Sandra and I, along with our leadership team, want to repent to you today for racism in our church. We're sorry for those of you who have felt this from our leaders or our congregation. We want to let you know that we seek to always make Catch the Fire a racism-free church family. We find ourselves today at a place and time where racism and its effects are front and center in the public eye. Many of us watched the video of George Floyd dying at the hands of a police officer in Minneapolis. It was shocking. And the shockwaves have stirred Americans and people around the world. Riots and protests are a daily occurrence in many countries and cities, including Toronto. Canada is not without similar challenges. Sadly, in Toronto, black and indigenous people are treated very different than people who are white. Most people of color in our city experience prejudice because of their skin color. Most white-skinned people, like me, are oblivious to the challenges and the problems. And today, Curtis Hines, Errol Fenley, and myself would like to speak to you on this topic of racism. We know that what we will say in our limited time today won't address all that needs to be said. We know that we may say things that some of you disagree with. We want everyone to know, especially those of you who have experienced racism firsthand, is that we care and we hear your pain. We know you are hurting. We know you have stories that you probably have never shared because they're so painful. And we're truly sorry sorry if we have added to your pain as a church. We want everyone in our church to know that this topic has been front and center for our pastors, leadership, and intercessors for the past couple of months. We've been looking at how to respond, when to respond, and who to respond. And today is another response day. We wanted to look you in the face, and those of you watching, look you in the face and go on record that we are listening, hearing, and responding. We are committing ourselves to learning. Several weeks ago, Jonatas Regato, our youth pastor who is Brazilian, preached a great, passionate sermon. And you will remember that he shared the story Jesus told of a priest and a Levite who walked past a fellow Jew who had just been mugged. A Samaritan man considered a dog by the Jews. A man of mixed race, of Jew and Gentile, possibly of different skin color. He was, sorry, let me just get it. He was the one who cared and loved the stranger. The heart of Jesus 
is to love everyone, especially the one before us. The ones that are hurting the most right now in our great city of Toronto are the black community. And that is why Black Lives Matter. And friends, when I say that phrase, I'm not talking about the organization, I'm talking about the black people in our city. Indigenous people across our land are also hurting after centuries of racism against them. Canada has forced assimilation, divided families through residential schools, and treated First Nation people groups, Indian, Inuit, and Métis brutally. Canada has racism in our roots, and whether we like to admit it or not, it is systemic. As a first-generation Canadian, born in Toronto, I absolutely consider myself Canadian. And if I decide to believe that there isn't a problem, nor to do the work to become informed to be able to stand up and empower, then I am most definitely a part of the problem and upholding systematic racism. About a month ago, two of our pastors, Lillian Brown and Curtis Hines, and Coach Patrick Matumbo, and myself had a time where I asked them questions about their experiences being people of color. I watched the conversation a couple times afterwards and I, I felt their pain as they talked. Here were my friends sharing that while Canada and Toronto may be safer places to live, we are clearly not there yet. So our plan today is for Curtis to read a statement and our leadership team, sorry, that our leadership team have been working on for a couple weeks. We've also had input from others, including Errol and his wife, Tara Lynn. Errol leads our men's ministry, men's community. He's a former pastor, and from knowing him for many years, he loves the Lord, loves our church, loves Stephen Sander as well. Curtis, Errol, and myself are going to share three short devotionals from the scriptures. Errol's gonna talk about how God created us and the false doctrine that black people were cursed by God. Curtis is gonna talk about our calling to be reconcilers to God and I'll look at our future, what it will be like when we arrive in heaven. And following that, we'll have a time of ministry where we'll call on God's grace to restore us, forgive us, inspire us, and educate us on his heart for the world that he so loves. Are we good with that? Let's begin, Curtis. Okay, folks, I'm going to, going to share a public statement on racism as it relates to our context as a church in the city of Toronto. And I want to say this, I'm going to repeat myself again and again. Um, just because we are making a statement today doesn't mean that we can go like this and say, there, we've done our part. That's not the intent of where we're going here. I want to say this is about a conversation. I'm going to talk about reconciliation in a moment, but this is about a conversation. I have spent hours and hours and hours um, these last few weeks with many of you, people from all over the world, um, some very angry with me because they feel I haven't taken a stand, and others um, asking me why I've taken such a strong stand. And folks, this is the deal. This is not about you and I being on one side or the other. This is not about us being right, you being wrong, or you being right and us being wrong. That's not about that. It's about us learning to talk about this. Do you hear me? It's about us not being afraid to talk about this, okay? It's about a conversation. Here we go. 
Cash the Fire Church is proud to be situated in one of the most ethnically diverse cities in the world. As a matter of fact, I believe Toronto is the most, most ethnically diverse city in the world. As such, we embrace all people groups with the love of Christ. Unfortunately, this thinking is not necessarily embraced everywhere or by everyone. Where we have missed it, we repent. We repent and choose to call out systemic racism within our own walls, our own city, and our own nation. Such sin is not to be tolerated as our God is a just and fair God. We choose to stand with black, indigenous, and people of color. We choose to listen to our stories. We choose to believe in you and to give you a voice. It breaks our hearts to witness the suffering of black, indigenous, and people of color around our world. Christ has called humanity to be reconciled to him, and we believe and fight for humanity as the Savior did. I want to say that again. We believe and will continue and will fight for humanity as our Savior did. Catch a Fire understands that racism in all its forms spawns discrimination and a plethora of injustices against visible minorities in our country, province, city, and actually also within our church and churches. We are deeply grieved by the continued evidence of it in our world. How many of you are grieved by the evidence of it in our world? Yeah. And we make every effort to erase its presence in our midst. We reject racism as a diabolical, ungodly, and unrighteous ideology. The Bible teaches that there is one human family, one human race, all descended from one man, Adam, whose body was formed from the ground. We believe all human beings were created in the image of God and in his likeness, and therefore worthy of great honor and respect. Jesus exemplified this and taught his followers to love and serve one another without hypocrisy, partiality, or prejudice. Jesus laid down his life for everyone because God so loved the world. If Jesus was walking the streets of Toronto today and saw racial discrimination, he'd call it out. Yeah, I think he'd do more than that. It'd probably take him to his death. That's how much he cares for humanity. Perhaps he would remind us of the Good Samaritan who cared for the man lying helpless on the road and who was of a different culture and religion and ethnic background. Folks, because of Jesus' example, we are devoted to loving people from every tribe and nation. We must. Why? Because we are from every tribe and nation. That's why. And we're committed to the healing of wounds inflicted by racism right here in our church family. As I said again, this is the beginning of a conversation. We believe in the dignity that each person brings to our church, our city, and our nation. And we also believe that unity, that our unity is enhanced. Listen to this. That our unity is enhanced by the appreciation and celebration of our diversity. Thank you. Go ahead, Errol.
and sisters of Catch a Fire. We're living in a Kairos moment, both in the church and in the world today. <clears throat> and the word of the Lord is that we are one. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want you to know today that God made us, the human race, to be one, just as he is one. That word echad in Hebrew doesn't just mean singular one, it means composite one, it means unified. So within the mystery of God's corporality, there is unity. He is one, and he made us one. The seven billion people on the planet were all created from one man. One man. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, where God says, having divine counsel within the mystery of his corporate, he says, let us make man in our image. I'm putting it to you that the, the oneness, the echad, is a part of the divine attribute and a part of the image and likeness of God that he intended to be a part of the human makeup. And so, even when he said, let us make man, he said, let us make Adam, the name Adam is not just the name of the first man. In Hebrew, there are four words for man, Adam, Ish, Enos, and Giber. The word Adam also means, generically, the human race. So it was God's plan to make the human race one. And the Apostle Paul confirms this in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. When he says, from one blood, some translations have from one man, God made all nations to dwell on the face of the earth and determine their times and the boundaries of their habitation. So God made us to be one and that nothing should separate us in that oneness. So, according to scriptures, we are one in the, new, in the old creation and happily, praise God, in spite of sin, Jesus came to make us one in the new creation. Hallelujah. So, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. All things are passed away and all things have become new. And Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 and verse 21, he prayed, Father... I pray that they may be one. Yeah. Hallelujah. And look, look at how he describes the one. As we are one, as you are in me and I am in you, make them one in us. Yeah. Hallelujah. So God wants the human race and God wants the new creation to be echad. That is one. Now, Jesus' brother James, in James chapter 2 and verse 1, says, 
that we should not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. And he goes down through verse 4 of that chapter to describe um, uh, favoritism or showing favor or showing a bad face depending on what people were wearing. So they were discriminating against the poor in the church, uh, going by what you look like or how you dress or your outward appearance. And in verse 4, James says, if you do that, you become judges with evil thoughts. I want you to know today, brothers and sisters, that racism is evil. It is an evil ideology. And Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 15 that the things that defile a man or a person are the things of his thoughts uh, and the things that come out of his heart. And among those things he said was blasphemy. <coughs> Hallelujah. And blasphemy, if I might uh, attempt to define it for you, define it for you, is the irreverent or profane thought or talk or action about something that is sacred. Racism, white supremacy, white privilege that demean people of other ethnic hue and in particular Jews and black people is evil because it desecrates the image of God that is supposed to be in each and every one of us. And we are not supposed to have this. We need to understand it in such a way that we repudiate it, disavow it, denounce it, and expunge it from our midst. Jesus said that if we defile the temple of God, there are consequences for doing that. When, let's, if we go back to Genesis in chapter 2, where God made man from the ground, the scripture says he formed man from the dust of the earth um, and breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. That means that our bodies were created from dirt. So whether you're, you have straight hair, kinky hair, uh, independent of how your skull is shaped or your eyes are shaped, independent of the color of your skin, those features are dirt. Some are red dirt, some are black dirt, some are yellow dirt, but it is all dirt. It doesn't bring any intrinsic value comparatively one against the other. It is the variety that God has put in his awesome, wonderful creation. Hallelujah. You see the same variety in the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. Hallelujah. And even in the stars up above. And so God has called us to reckon with the Father's love in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I want to say one other thing. <clears throat> that anti-black sentiment, which is a feature of racism, was not present even during the first century. It was not. There are many 
um, black believers who were present on the day of Pentecost. And many came from parts of Africa, North Africa, Cyrene, um, to participate in the celebration of Pentecost. And we know also that among the first churches that started to reach out to the Gentiles was the church in Antioch. And there was one of their leaders, a prophet, uh, who was with Paul and Barnabas. His name was Simon, and they called him Niger because he was from a part in Africa, um, you know, in, around the region of Nigeria and Ghana, that sort of region. So he was a black-skinned guy. They called him, nicknamed him Niger, and he was a part of the leadership in the early church. We know also that God broke up, well, I'm not sure he broke up a revival, but he interrupted a revival, pulling out the guy who actually got it started, Philip, and took him on a lonely road from Jerusalem to Azotus to one single black man from Ethiopia, the Ethiopian eunuch. The story is in Acts chapter 8. And that man, Philip, brought him to the Lord, explained to him the salvation, way of salvation. He got baptized, and the scripture says, went on his way rejoicing. Today we know, even um, the, the story is that the Ethiopian Orthodox Church had its roots in, the, in, in um, that eunuch carrying the faith to Africa. Hallelujah. One last thing I want to share with you is that regarding the, um, the, the bad attitude towards black folk, that became... Um, uh, an accompaniment of chattel slavery around the 17th century. And um, I know for a fact that uh, the Dutch Reformed Church had this um, thing that they call the Curse of Ham as part of the, their teaching to justify the enslavement of black Africans. This teaching also was carried um, by a lot of the, um, the first settlers um, to the United States. And it says that if you look in Genesis chapter 9, that Noah had a vineyard, he had some wine, got drunk, and his youngest son Ham saw him in his drunken stupor and dishonored him. We are not told exactly how he dishonored him, but as a result of it, when Noah regained his sobriety, he cursed Ham's son. He didn't actually curse Ham directly. He said, your son Canaan will be a servant of servants to his brethren. And so they took that to mean that black people, um, being descendants of Ham, would be slaves. And this is not so, because Ham had four sons, Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Canaan is the father of the Palestinians who are brown-skinned people. Um, the black sons that Ham had were Cush and Mizraim. Cush became a great, um, well, actually Cush's son Nimrod became the leader of a great civilization back in those days. And you remember when God intervened um, at the Tower of Babel, it was Cush who was leading the building of the tower to 
you know, make themselves independent of God. And they were so powerful and united that God said, let's go and intervene and scatter them. And so the scattering of the nations, really, nationhood is about seeking God and finding God. It's not about dividing us, okay? But God reunited us at Pentecost. Hallelujah. And Cush, therefore, Cush's son Nimrod, therefore, shows that the curse of Ham did not apply. Shortly after that, Egypt became a great world empire. We would call them a superpower of their time. And we know the pyramids of Egypt today are monuments to this great civilization. The Egyptians descended from Mizraim. So the two black-skinned sons of Ham had no effect uh, or showed no signs of being slaves or subservient to their brothers. So this is a big lie that we wish to debunk. Hallelujah. And we want to embrace the love of the Father and the oneness that God has called us to in Christ. He said, let us make man, Adam, in our image, echad, and after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Our dominion will be through our unity. Let us embrace that, brothers and sisters. Let us repudiate and deal with even the lies that for some of us, it's been in our generation or in our family tradition. Let us reject it, repudiate it, and embrace the truth of God's word. And I believe we are on the cusp of a mighty revival. Paul the apostle says, when you look at what's going on now, he says, first the natural, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, first the natural, then the spiritual. If we get this revelation and begin to move in it, we are going to see a great and mighty outpouring. God bless you. Oh, Errol, that's so good. Thank you. That's so good. Thank you, Errol. Okay, folks, I'm going to read from the scriptures, and um, it, this will take maybe an hour. No, it won't. Did you notice what happened a moment ago? We all got the emergency alert, didn't we? Right? I think it's pretty prophetic, I guess, in one sense. What happens when everybody gets on the same page with the same information, then things are able to happen. It's not necessarily that we all are going to jump up and go try to find this unfortunate individual, but it could very well be that we might cross their path, right? But here's the truth. We all got the alert. All we're saying is that we all want to be able to understand and listen to each other. Black people are not looking for, indigenous people are not looking for a handout. They're just looking for things to be fair and equitable. So I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 to 20, and this is in the Passion Translation, and this is entitled, this whole thing here is about reconciliation. At the end of the day, brothers and sisters, um, it, it's about love. It's about love. The Apostle Paul says, since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, amen, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. 
We know that our lives are transparent before God who knows us fully. And I hope that we are also known to your consciences. Again, we are not taking an opportunity to brag, but giving you information that will enable you to be proud of us and to answer those who esteem outward appearances while overlooking what is in the heart. If we're out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, it is for God. But if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate. Listen to this, folks. So from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Here we go. We're coming to a close here. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Amen. All that is related to the old order is vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words... It is as it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And catch the fire. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. All right, let me just say this and, and try to bring it home from my perspective. Um, folks, how are we to orient ourselves as we go through this journey? I want to say this, this issue of racism is not going to go away. It is going to be ever present. Why? Because it's an issue of injustice. In Amos 5, God ends up after, after indicting Israel. He says, I, what do I want? I want justice, mercy, rivers of it. I want to encourage us as a church family to not be afraid to have a conversation. That's what we're asking for. We're not saying that we're right. We're not saying that we're wrong. There are many different views here, many different views as a Cash the Fire family all over the world. It's not about being entrenched, being strong in our positions, but what it's about is beginning a conversation that we have never had. Are we okay with that? Pastor Steve.
Thank you, Curtis and uh, Errol, for your sharing today. I'm going to jump real quick into what Toronto is like. So, on the screen. Last census that happened in Toronto was 2016, and at that point, 51.4% of people living in the city of Toronto. That's not the GTA. The GTA would be even more, but right in the heart of Toronto, in the borders of the city of Toronto, 51.4% were not born in Canada. And this church is better than that. We're two-thirds of our church not born in Canada. So we reflect the city and more. 250 different ethnicities in the city of Toronto. We're talking about different cultural groups that meet as a cultural group in our city. And some of them have big parades. Some of them have closed down whole streets. I don't know if you've been on the Danforth for the Greek culture and there's Little Italy and all these different places that are taking place in our city. In the Toronto School Board, 170 languages are spoken by teachers to teach kids in the Toronto School Board. Don't know if you knew that. 170 languages. And there are 16 different countries of the world that are represented by more than 50,000 people in our city. And at the top of the list is India. Over 336,000 people in 2016 are from India. If your ancestry is India, India, hands up. Yay! God bless you for your redemptive gift of curry. Amen. Every nation has a redemptive gift, and that's at least one of them. China, 300. It used to be that Chinese was number one. Indians have passed that now. Filipinos, a large. And Toronto, 50 years ago, was predominantly British. And Britain is number five now and is dropping on the list every time a census is taking place. What's our world like? 195 nations, according to the United Nations. 6,500 different languages are spoken and approximately 20,000 different cultures within those nations and within those languages. And here's what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 7. John, having a vision that God gave him of what the future was like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he sees heaven, and it's this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude, seven and a half billion people, something like that, and half of them are born again right now, those that are living. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people or culture, every ethnicity and every language were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, which means that they were born again, they're pure, and they were holding palm branches, acknowledging the kinship, the kingship of Jesus. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation chapter 7. About 10 years ago, an outstanding couple in our city, uh, Reynolds and Kathy Maines, and those of you who have watched 100 Huntley Street through the years will know that they, Reynolds is the oldest son of David Maines, who was the founder of 100 Huntley Street. Reynolds used to be on hosting along with his brother Ron. And God spoke to this couple about 10 years ago and told them to do something that was unprecedented in, our, unprecedented in our city. And that was to rent the Rogers Center for one night on a Sunday night and to celebrate what heaven is going to look like. And so they had an event called Heaven's Rehearsal. How many of you were at that? Yep. Was that not an outstanding event? Uh, 
Sandra and I were sitting there with Sandra's brother and, and his wife Janice, and I just cried all night long. Reynolds and Kathy followed what the Holy Spirit told them to do, which was that in heaven, it doesn't say that anyone's going to be introduced. It just says that people are surrounding the throne and giving honor to the Lord. And so at their event, they didn't have any introduction of who the band is, who the band members are, who the different people are that are singing, that are praying, that are dancing. Nobody was introduced, and it was one of the most amazing Christian multicultural events in our city. And it was just phenomenal for us to practice what heaven is going to be like. Reynolds and Kathy went bankrupt because of that event. Sadly, all sorts of churches in our city chose not to participate unless their pastor would be introduced. And they said, no, thank you. And so it was, it was just, a, as I heard about that, it was like, oh my goodness. All the churches in the city of Toronto gave a total of $25,000 to help that. This church gave 20 of that 25,000. We bought a thousand tickets to make a statement that we love being multicultural, that we love the nations, and this is our future, friends. And the idea of heaven's rehearsal is, if this is how we're gonna be living for eternity, we better get good at it now. This is where we practice for heaven. Because in heaven, if you show up with a bad attitude towards someone who looks different than you, um, you may get a longer screening at heaven's gates. You may be delayed a little bit getting in. I, I, I'm just making that up. I don't know how that's going to work. But I do know that our future, that God created us, as, as Errol said, one person became the father of all nations. One species of mankind is how God created us. Jesus came that we become one and heaven is where we're going to be one and it's going to be, we're going to see all the differences. We're going to see all the tribes, all the nations, but we're going to be one because that's God's heart. Amen. So here's what we're going to do, friends. We're going to say some prayers and we're going to have three different prayers. The first prayer I'm going to have Errol lead us in is if you have been a victim of racism, uh, we're going to pray for you. Number two is I'm going to pray a prayer for those of us who have been racist towards other people, willingly, unwillingly, unknowingly, but we've done it. We've judged other people. So I'm expecting that that's everyone in the room has judged another people group, another category of God's people. So we're going to pray about that. We're going to ask for repentance. And then Curtis is going to bless those of you that have uniquely been called during these last two months, there's a stirring in your heart. I need to be one of these people who steps up and says something and does something and to be a reconciler like the scriptures tell us to do. Uh, we'll talk about a different kind of ministry that we're gonna do after that, but all of you that are in the room, if I could get you to stand up, and those of you that are watching online right now, whether you're live or you're watching from your hot tub on Tuesday, uh, I'd like you to stand up, except if you're in your hot tub. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Welcome you right now. If you feel that 
not feel, if you know that you've been a victim of racism, I'd like you to be bold and put your hand up. And those of you that don't feel that you have, look around and when someone puts their hand up, you just stretch your hands towards them and ask the Holy Spirit to come. Errol, go ahead. I have been a victim of racism. My wife has been, my daughter has been, and I know many friends who have been. And it tends to make you bitter, wounded, resentful, regretful of lost opportunities, lost, lots of things lost. And sometimes we bury it and we get on, we move on, but we still need healing. And so I want to ask as we pray, if you can recall any of those issues, incidents of your past, no matter how far back it goes in your life, bring it before the Lord in your mind right now. The Lord is ready to heal and to cleanse us. <clears throat> um, I should have made a point I think is important. Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment? And he referred to Deuteronomy 6.4, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Um, and the preface to that was the same Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And he said, the second commandment is like the first, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And the way that the second is like the first is in terms of your neighbor and you are one. So I just want to remind us about that. And so when we deal with bitterness, resentment, we are removing all those issues that prevent us from being one with our neighbor, that we might love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay? So, Father, we come before you right now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, mighty God, that you called us, you created us, and called us to be in your image and likeness. We thank you, Father, that you are the great physician and the great healer. You said, I am the Lord who heals you. You said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I give you rest. You said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. To appoint unto those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garments of praise instead of the spirit of depression, that we may be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We confess before you, we have been wounded. We confess before you, we have been hurt. We confess before you, we have been bitter. We confess before you, we have had regrets. We thank you, O oh God, that you are the great healer. And we ask for healing right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we forgive those who have hurt us. We release them right now. We bless them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And those who didn't stand, stand up to support us, and those who didn't speak up for us, we forgive them. Those who are silent, we forgive them. 
Father, heal our hearts. Make us one. bitterness, every root of bitterness be gone in Jesus name I'd like you to repeat after me this is a prayer to say Father I have sinned have you say this with me just like that Father I've sinned I've judged people who look different than I do now just say this to the Lord not out loud but I'd like you to actually identify two or three faces of people you know that you've looked down on, seen them as different. And ask the Lord to have mercy on you. The very act of judging another person in whatever category it is, and today we're talking about skin color. Anytime we judge another person, it's one of the strongest warnings in the scripture that Jesus said, do not judge or you will be judged. And the Bible goes on to say in that passage in Matthew chapter seven, that the judging that you do will come back at you worse than how you've given it. And can I just say, that Toronto has had a bad history, the white, British primarily, white culture of Toronto for 50 years, going back 50 years, judged other cultural groups. And what's happening in our city right now with unrest, with lawlessness in our city, we've been reaping what we sowed. Yeah? So ask the Holy Spirit, just say, Holy Spirit, please, Forgive me for my stuff against other cultures. Have mercy on me. Forgive us as a church for our sins. Wash us clean right now, Father. In Jesus' name. Curtis. Father, um, we, we, uh, we, we just ask um, together as, as, a, as a body, as your body, Lord, we, we want you to fill us with compassion. Lord, we, we, I, I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, both for myself and for all of my brothers and sisters that are watching, that are here, that are not here, Lord, seriously, we, would, you, would you download to us such a, an immense measure of your love in our hearts? Holy Spirit, help us. Help us not to feel the need to argue, to feel the need to justify. But Lord, help us to feel the need to listen. Help us to feel the need to care. Help us to feel the need to have conversations with people. Lord, we pray, we declare that as this atmosphere has shifted because of all of this stuff that's been happening in our world, Lord, we ask that you would not allow us to ever go back 
to being the same again. Holy Spirit, please help us to never go back to being the same again, but help us to move forward as a body and as, as a people. Help us to move forward into deeper love, empathy, understanding, compassion. Why do we want this, Lord? Because you love justice. You love mercy. You love rivers of it. And we must be a people that love what you love. So help us, Holy Spirit. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.